God. Amen. <clears throat> so today I, I was kind of wondering what I should call this sermon. And so I, I thought I thought I would call it what God told me when he first helped me with this. And this is what he told me. He said, stop wrestling with that gorilla. Okay. So stop wrestling with that gorilla. Who's that, Marsha? <laughs> Snooping over in the... <laughs> Aren't you deciding if you want to come in and hear the rest or not? Huh? <laughs> that's, that's okay, Mar. <laughs> She'll come in here. All right. So, yeah. And, and you'll get an understanding of who the gorilla is, why he told me, and all that good stuff. So, when we step out in faith, you need to ask yourself this. Do you really expect God to work? Or are you wrestling with a gorilla? Do you really expect God to work? Or are you wrestling with a gorilla? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith the elders, that is the, the people of God who have we read about in the Bible <coughs> from generations by faith they obtained a good report now a good report is not just somebody said something nice about you and patted on the back but good report means that what you asked for came to pass hmm? what did we say the evil report was contrary to God's word and a good report lined up with God's word so by faith they obtained a good report or they obtained the promises of God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So once, once you have the God kind of faith working in your life, you can understand the Bible. You can understand creation. This is why the people of God can adamantly say that God created the world in uh, people uh, who are not believers think there's some big bang or some kind of evolution or some they'll believe some off the wall kind of nonsense I'd much rather believe God created me in his image than to believe that I'm related to a monkey it takes a lot more faith for me to believe I'm related to another animal that I have no kind of relationship with than to believe God created me because I have a relationship with him. You can't even relate. Well, how could you be related to something that can't talk like you do, don't look like you do, can't do anything? Well, it takes a big stretch of your imagination to believe that. All it takes is for you to receive and embrace the word of God and you can believe the truth. Got me? And so when we look at that, we know that faith makes a big difference in the human being. The God kind of faith makes a big difference in us. So the life of faith, really, we can say, it says if, if we receive by faith a good report or we receive the promises of God, <clears throat> you can say then that the life of faith is a life of positive expectancy or expectation of good things. If you're a person of faith, you're not discouraged, you're not upset, you're not angry, you're not you know, uh, ready to quit, you know, grumbling, complaining. But you're a, a person of encouragement, 
an expectancy of good things. You expect good things. The life of faith is also a life that is pleasing to God. When God is pleased with you, the Bible says that he will make his face to shine upon you. He looks at you face to face and that outward countenance that you carry is the outshining of God on you. So it it appears that people who live by faith have received something of God that they take away with them. It's a Godness or Godlikeness about you that you take away with you and you carry it with you. When God promises something, we have every right to expect him to perform it. You have no right to question the performance of that thing. But you have every right to expect him to perform it. You have no right to doubt. You have no right to be concerned or be fearful about it. Because if God says something, he will not lie. And so if you can believe him, then you can expect him to do what he says. So he will perform his word. So really our faith causes expectation to rise out of our hearts. Faith always causes expectation to rise out of our hearts. What we do with the expectation when it rises up is a matter of your decision what to do with it. You ever want to get happy about something and you, you oh no, well that won't happen. You push it down. Mm-hmm. Something you know fantastic or something beyond, and you think, well, no, well, you know, better better hold back. You know, better hold on. What what that is is shame. Shame causes you to push it back. So shame. Because it's related to sin and disobedience, will fight against your expectation. That's why the Bible says that those who hope in the Lord will not be, what, ashamed. Or they won't push it back out of, out of the forefront. Sometimes you'll, you'll tell somebody, well, I'm believing God for so-and-so and such-and-such. And then you get that response and you think, well, I shouldn't have said that. Or I'm not going to tell them anymore. Or then you go into hiding with, with what God told you. See, <clears throat> The Bible says, I will make my boast in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Why do you make your boast in the Lord? Because that expression of faith toward God, he honors Without faith it's impossible to please him. So when you magnify the Lord, you talk about his marvelous works. You extol, you say, I'm expecting God to heal my my dad. I'm expecting God to heal my family. I'm expecting God to bring the promises. I'm expecting God. When you make your boast in the Lord, then he's pleased with you. When you push that expectancy back down, he's not pleased with you because you're ashamed to trust him. That's what you're showing. You're showing shame in trusting him. So expectation is what must be at the forefront if we're going to receive what God has for us. It must be expectation. You can't have like some kind of dormant or, or passive or flat 
faith with no life in it. You can't really say you're in faith if there's no energy, no life, no pressing toward, nor forward going, nothing like that. Because faith without works is dead. So if you're in dead faith, you're not doing, you're not moving toward anything. You have to move toward something on a continual basis or it's not faith. It's not faith. See, I, I give this example. You know, I told the example <coughs> about my car that needed a repair, and I decided that would be my faith what project. Why do I need a faith project? Because I got a lot of stuff to believe for. If I don't have faith projects, we don't have these meetings. We don't have anything. You got me? You don't want to be stuck with somebody under someone who doesn't live by faith because then that puts more pressure on you. If I live by the natural, I'd have to depend on you for everything. Think about it. If I live by faith, I depend on God. He uses you if you'll yield to him. Big difference. Big difference. You know, some of you ran from pressure churches. You got me? Every time you turned around, something was happening drastic and all that kind of stuff and you know what I'm saying. So you have to understand that when when you live by faith, there's an expectancy for God to move, but that faith has to be exercised on a continual basis. So I kept my car going by faith for I would say about six or seven years before I had that starter changed. I had people give me starters for Christmas presents, and I said, no thank you. I had people want to put starters in, show clipping me little pictures out of stuff, and saying, no thank you. I'm using my faith. Uh-huh. So there came a time when I knew that it, that part of ex, you know exercising faith that way was done, and I went ahead and got it replaced. But I can tell anybody, you'll get at least another seven years life out of any part, in your car if you use your faith on it. And quit being scared of everything. Mm-hmm. So when we expect God delivers. And not before. When we expect God delivers. Now. Faith and expectancy are spiritual forces that can be seen both by God and by people who have God in them that pay attention to God. You got me? Just like if a woman is expecting a baby, at some point she will show. That baby will be obvious to everybody. You know, I mean, there's some exceptions. I didn't know I was pregnant. You seen that show on the health program? (laughs) I'm thinking, that's a big one to not be aware of. But, you know, it happens. (laughs) But you show for a reason. Huh? If you didn't show, it would sneak up on you. Huh? Absolutely. So God plans all of these things with reasoning behind it, his own wisdom behind it. So expectation in, in, the, in the realm of the spirit means it's time to deliver. 
without expectancy there's no delivery you can't say you're in faith and just be all passive and sitting down and not get up and do anything toward that promise you can't say that you may be wishing and a hoping but faith I'm telling you is an action it's an activity it demonstrates that you're moving toward that promise and when it's time to deliver there is expectancy about it definitely there's expectancy faith also is able to face down and overcome all obstacles to it if it does not quit write that down it's able to face down and overcome all obstacles to it if it doesn't quit as a matter of fact it gets stronger with use so if obstacles confront your faith your faith does not have to back down really that's not your spirit man backing down that's your flesh that's gotten scared and intimidated and walks away discouraged dejected blah 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 you can get a no answer and get excited about it ah I'm getting closer one step closer my faith is getting stronger it couldn't push it out of the way that time but I'm coming back again John 1 John 5 4 says that this is the power that overcomes let me go to that 1 John 5 so you can see it Who is he that overcomes? In four, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Not your flesh, your spirit. Not your old man, your new man. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith is the victory that overcomes anything that is against you the world is against you God's not against you God's people are not against you yeah sometimes people ask you how things are going they look at you like they're looking through you trying to pick apart looking you know for you to say something wrong God sent that person to you Hmm? to express your faith See, any opportunity you get to express your faith comes from God. It's not always the devil with people messing with you and trying to know your business and trying to. You got me? Anytime you can express your faith, it's an opportunity from God. Why do you have to get it done like that? Because you won't do it any other way. And he doesn't want your faith to die on the inside of you. He wants to see it and he wants you to express it. You got me? If we would express it, you know, goofy people would be scared of us if we walked in the power of God all the time. Uh, they won't grill us and, and, and uh, make us feel small. You feel small because you're not in faith. It's not being expressed at that time. You have it, but where is it?
So faith is able to face down and overcome all obstacles to it if it does not quit. When faith quits, your your old man takes over. Your flesh takes over. That's all that's happening. You've stepped out of the spirit and stepped into the flesh. When we obtain by faith, that means we have confronted all obstacles to it and held on to the word without being sidetracked or discouraged. Sometimes you can you can attempt to go out and pursue what it is that God told you is for you. You come back empty handed. But you don't get discouraged. You don't get sidetracked. You get up and go out again. Uh-huh. That's how some of y'all got married. Brother told you, well, you know, I, I want us to just be friends. Well, I don't just be friends with nobody. You got to give me a ring if you want. Oh, yeah, y'all went all after it, didn't you? Didn't you? It's your female tricks. And men, don't be grinning because y'all worse. A woman to throw the phone at you and tear up your number and tell you to get lost. And you say, she loves me. I can tell. That's a sure sign. Got to call the cops to get rid of people, you know. You cannot afford to let your faith sit on the sidelines. It's too much. It, 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 there's too much that has to be redone all over again if your faith would lay dormant. You can't afford to let it sit on the sidelines. Now, it is possible to think you're using your faith to confront obstacles when you're only wrestling a gorilla. You think you're in faith and you think you're confronting what's against you, but you're just wrestling with the gorilla. So what is the gorilla? The gorilla is really the strong man. And really, he's not real anymore. He's a ghost of your past. Let me tell you why. Everybody has some issue or some problem that leads you to Christ. So when you came to Christ, that strong man that had you defeated and had you bound, you know, really you were wrestling with him because he was real in your carnal life. But Jesus defeated him with the finished work at Calvary. So you really got delivered from his power when you were born again. The Bible says, how can you rob the strong man of his house if you don't first bind him? So when you came to the Lord, you came because the strong man was rendered ineffective in your life. He was already defeated. He knew he was defeated. That's how you got born again. If that hadn't happened, you wouldn't have gotten saved. He would still have a hold on you. What happens though is that the strong man will continue to come back, try to come back and get back in. Through what? Through memories. Through trigger experiences that conjure up old memories. You'll know, you have somebody that reminds you of some, or somebody you don't like and you can't figure it out. And then you find, you know why I don't like that? They remind me of so and so and such and such. So that's the ghost of the strong man 
still trying to get active and involved in your life. And he will follow you throughout your life trying to get back in. You'll never get rid of him. Brother Hagen gave the example years ago of this woman that said, uh, well, I don't understand why the devil just don't leave me alone. He said, well, you you know, a bird flying over your head, that doesn't mean you need to let him make a nest in your hair, you see. And so there are a lot of voices, a lot of forces that are against us as children of God. God uses them and works everything together for our good, whether you believe it or not. But he will not stop these things from happening. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. You're going to have the same amount of trouble as everybody else can reasonably expect. And if you're a troublesome person, you're going to have more. You got it? I mean, you can bring more trouble on yourself than God intends for you to have under normal circumstances. But God will deliver you from all affliction. He'll deliver you from all trouble. But you're going to have to stay with God and stay in faith for that to happen to you. You're going to have to stay there. And so this strong man, this gorilla that we wrestle off and on, is really a ghost of our past. He has had the power in the past to bind us and intimidate us. And that's what he tries to use on us in our new life. Whenever we've attempted to prosper in the past, he will conjure up thoughts in our mind of some kind of inadequacy, some kind of fear, some kind of, he'll, he'll make it like it's a high risk situation. To the degree that he will overpower us and cause us to submit to that and accept failure, accept coming back empty-handedness, coming back without anything from God. He's trying to get us to accept that again because he's worked to make us accept it in the past. Anything having to do with fear, insecurity... Self-doubt, lack, shame, and poverty are his weapons against us. And he will cause thoughts to rise up in us even as new Christians to make us feel that those same thoughts have power over us now. And he will give them life give them direction against us give them impetus when you go to make a purchase the first thing that comes over you sometimes is a wave of fear about what it costs can I afford it you know all these are normal things that go through people's minds but they're not supposed to wrestle us down and force us to be immovable and not go forward so this gorilla that we carry around with us sometimes you know you pick him up and take him voluntarily with you you don't have to take him but many times we do oftentimes we take him through life you know the proverbial chip on the shoulder or you're touchy about certain subjects because that gorilla has made you touchy about it because he keeps feeding you 
You can't do that. You're not good enough. Nobody cares about you. Look at how they treat you. You watch when you go in. See, he gets you to anticipate not a good report but an evil one. And he wins. Many times he wins. We start out with a promise from God where we can expect wonderful things to happen. And by the end of the day, we've given up on it because we've been wrestling with him. He's just a ghost of his former self. And he really has no authority in our lives. But we take him with with us pretty much everywhere we go. You can't stop him from coming along. So what do you do with him? What do you do with him? When these ideas of self-doubt, shame, poverty, insecurity, when they rise up against us, we have a desire to break out of the familiar and go on with faith in God. You know faith in God is the only way out. But this thing will, will intimidate you and haunt you. Because he used to rule over your old man, he knows you well. And his ideas and his thoughts sound legitimate. They sound like things that are real considerations for you. They do. <clears throat> your new man is righteous. And he doesn't really need to wrestle with this thing. The way you beat this is you put off the old man. Just like you take off a, a shirt or you know, a pair of shoes that are too tight or socks that you didn't worn for the last day. Oh, <laughs> I used to say they walk off your feet and stand up in the corner by themselves. Yeah. Them. Put it off just like that. <laughs> and and bind him and render him ineffective. See, that's how you spoil his house. His house is a house of ideas as far as you're being at a, as a believer is concerned. It's just ideas and imaginations. You can make them real and give them life, or you can make them vain imaginations. Amen? And cancel their power over you. So how is this done? How do we render him powerless instead of wrestling with him? Because you always lose when you wrestle him. You got me? You can't win wrestling him. Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And that's what happens when you listen to his voice. You start wrestling against your own flesh. And it will make you think that the whole world's against you. Nobody likes you, and you're really wrestling with your own flesh and blood. You're fighting yourself. So the way to render him powerless is before you step out in faith, just have a little talk with yourself. You have a little talk with yourself. And you begin to recite the word to yourself and tell yourself who you are. Because one thing the gorilla does is he tries to get you into a former identity and rob you of your current one. So your former identity will always render you powerless. Because your former identity had no God, had no faith, no righteousness, had no word, had nothing to commend himself. 
So you step out to step out in faith. You have to render this gorilla powerless. Or render the strong man powerless. You bind him. You bind him with the word of God. You don't say I bind you strong man. That's retarded. We all know that doesn't work. Now unless you actively have an anointing. To take authority over a spiritual force. A strong man we said is not a spirit. He's a shadow of the strong man that used to bind your life. He's not even a familiar spirit. He's memories. It's amazing how we can can uh, overcome him with our faith. Because he's really robbing you of your proper identity. The more you walk in the newness of who you are in Christ. The less powerful he is. For instance. Many people when they first came to this ministry. They were all about finding out what was wrong with everybody else. Well you can say amen or you don't have to say amen. Huh? Do they like me? How do they treat me? What am I? If somebody said something to you in a tone that wasn't kind. You talked about it forever. Got other people to engage in that with you. Why? Because you didn't know who you were. It's not that other people were so unkind. It's that you didn't know who you were. Once you got in, you got locked in, you got comfortable, nobody could move you. Hello? People who held on to their former identity quickly left. You got me? So you decided who you were, you decided you belonged, you decided God brought you here, and those thoughts don't even bother you anymore. In fact, you can look back and see how much time you wasted backbiting, gossiping, fault-finding, being mad at the saints. Come on now. Huh? It's all part of your immature history. Praise God you can look at it and say that's what I used to be. That's what I used to do. I'm not there anymore. I know who I am. You can go to somebody else's meeting and feel like a stranger. Until you decide to go to somebody and say hi to them or be friendly. And then all of a sudden you belong. Well they didn't change anything. It was you that brought that in with you. So everybody brings a gorilla into the room with them. You got me? And you can let him ride your back and tell you you don't belong, tell you people are mean, tell you people don't do this and people don't do that. Or you can accept your new identity and find your place and lock in and serve God. You got two choices. People who don't make the right choice remain touchy. They go along for a while. And then after a while, a gorilla jumps out again and says, look, at me. look, 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 see that, see that? Why? Because he's been in your life all along, defeating everything that you ever tried to do that would break you out of the mold. People have been tried to get out of family, generational problems. No, it's nobody in the family ever went to college. You know, I wanted to go. You didn't want to go bad enough. Huh? Because you let the gorilla tell you you couldn't do it. Because all around you saw nobody who did it. And his, his words were supported by your environment and the dysfunction there. So you never made it. Huh? That's exactly what happened. He talked you out of your true identity.
You see people all the time with great potential. How is it they have potential that never gets realized? There's a gap between where they live and where they want to be, and they can't cross it because they're always wrestling. Uh, Thoughts of inadequacy. I can't do this. Many times you start to get out and people start to discourage you. God sends the people to see if you'll fight those voices. You got me? Every butterfly has to fight his way through a tight cocoon. If you're going to come out and be beautiful, you've got to fight your way through that hard shell that's binding you. That's just, that's just the way the world is. Since the curse has come to the world, it's not just all wonderful anymore. You've got to, you've got to strain. You've got to fight. You've got to use your faith to rise up and overcome. And so we have to have a little talk with ourselves. David said it was encouraging himself in the Lord. See, himself. Not the gorilla encourage himself. See, there's a, a himself and a herself in there somewhere that is full of faith and full of power and can emerge and get the victory and come out. But then there's another thing, a scared little man of the flesh that is intimidated by coming out. You've got to make up your mind which one you are and let that one emerge and go on and, do your, and live your life. So before you step out in faith, have a little talk with yourself. Don't assume you're in faith. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. This is where you, you, you know that thing that gets on people where they never question whether they're in the right place or never question where where they're going they never question if God really told them they never question you know, when that thing that gets on people that's what you've got to avoid and the way to avoid that is have a little talk with yourself encourage yourself in the Lord to build up your spirit man to tell yourself who you are in Christ to tell yourself where you're going to tell yourself what God's promised you so that when you step out you're stepping out in your faith righteousness and you're not going in there and, and scared anything can happen. See, if you don't do this, you go into a situation and you may wind up wrestling with that gorilla and not win again. You can't win against him. You can't. Because he's designed to defeat you at every turn. He knows how to get your thoughts over into a mode of self-defeat self-pity, feeling that you'll never be able to do it. You're not like everybody else. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's what he does. And so if he gets in there and gets started with you, and you don't build yourself up in God first, you'll wind up coming out with nothing but feeling defeated. In God you can come out with nothing, but you feel stronger. You ever done that? You go and you say, "Mm, it wasn't there. Well, let me see, God. And you tell me where it is now, okay? Because I know it's there. You've got expectancy in you. That's what faith does. Faith definitively knows it's there and it's got to happen. It's got to come because God told you. And he can't lie and he wouldn't lie to you. You're serving him. You're holding on to him. And you're not being intimidated by your past. You're not that creature anymore. You're not that little weak person anymore. You don't whine. You don't feel sorry for yourself. 
You go to God expecting. And you come out expecting. Because you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's not a pep talk and it's not psyching yourself out. But it's building yourself on your most holy faith. And so God expects us to do these things. Jesus asked the disciples, where's your faith? That's what you need to ask yourself. Before you attempt to go do anything in God. You need to locate where your faith is. Where's your faith? Jesus didn't ask it because he's picking at them. Why do we think that when people ask us, you know, how's your prayer coming? How's so-and-so doing? Where's your faith is what they're asking. You got me? Because you need to know where it is. Your faith ain't helping me none. You got me? And I don't live to upset people. Contrary to popular opinion, I guess, but I don't. You upset already. <laughs> you got me? trying to hide it but you're upset already I'm just trying to get you back in faith so Jesus asked the disciples where's your faith you need to know if you know you get intimidated in certain situations then you need this more than you need anything you need to locate your faith now if you say you're looking for a promotion in a job or something there are certain things that are going to make you nervous. Uh, you know it. Education. Nobody ever has enough. Trust me. I don't care how many papers, degrees, and whatever. You're always going to be a little short on the requirement thing. And so you know you're going to get intimidated by that. Some people it's the credit check. Some people it's the background check. Huh? Some, <laughs> I look at those stupid <laughs> True TV bait car. <laughs> you know they got this car that's got keys in it, ready to be stolen, and these idiots get in and steal it. And, and even they'll even say to us, "Suppose this is a bait car," and they jump in there anyway. Huh? So some people are nervous about the background check. They get involved in stupid stuff like that. You got me. Some people are, are, are intimidated by truth. Just nervous that somebody's going to know something about them. Exposure. Some people get nervous with questions. Huh? There's all kinds of things that will trigger us to shrink back, step out of faith, get over into that old nervous, old self, and then start wrestling the gorilla. Now, what do I say when I wrestle a gorilla? Well, somebody asks you, well, you know, you're going to, to get, you know, that job. You know, when you work for the government, they do a background check. If you got student loans, you know, what do you mean? Got it? Wrestling the gorilla. Uh, wrestling the gorilla. And you think people are against you, and it's you. Because he's already got you set up and poised to fight the first person that sounds like him. And so when we start to move out in faith, you've got to make sure that you're not wrestling. Uh And you're not poised to wrestle. You know what I mean, poised to wrestle? You ever see uh, sumo wrestlers? That's us. You go in there to, to, you know, buy some furniture. And you're like, boom, boom, 
boom, boom, boom. And you're ready to pounce on. Tell the truth. Huh? You're ready to pounce on. You got attitude. Instead of building up your most holy faith, encouraging yourself in the Lord, going in faith, having a peace and a confidence about you, you go in there like a sumo. And the first person that says something, you're ready to be ticked off, you're ready to be angry, and you wrestle there with that instead of going in there expecting to come out with. Even if you don't come out with the furniture at that place, you had no business wrestling when you went in there. You got me? That situation is not an enemy situation where you can get in the flesh and beat somebody down. But that's what you do every single time. That's why we don't get anywhere sometimes. Because we are constantly fighting that beast. And you took him in there with you. That salesperson is, you know, it's, what did I do? All I did was ask them if I could help them with this. And they jumped all over you. Or you left out angry. Instead of, let me tell you the difference. If you go in there and focus on God, you can get the same response from that person. But you'll come out with a reassurance, okay, this wasn't mine. This wasn't what God had for me. This was merely a test situation for me to use my faith to meet resistance, to strengthen it, so it will be stronger the next place I go to get what he really has for me. Very often you don't even want what they have, but you're ready to fight over it anyway. Isn't that true? Because you're anticipating trouble. You're anticipating something going wrong. You're anticipating, instead of anticipating what God has for you, you anticipate something wrong. Because when you hope in God, you're never ashamed and confounded. You're not upset. You just know, well, this I tried it. This wasn't the place. The next place will probably be it. And that's all you have to say about it. When you're in faith. But mostly we're not in faith. And so we go in with this gorilla on our back. And we sit there and we powder ourselves and squat and grunt and dig in and we're ready to fight when we're fighting really a ghost or a phantom he's not even real anymore he's not real to us not real to God he's just a figment now of your imagination you take him everywhere with you instead of taking your faith that's why God will ask you where's your faith get yourself in faith so that when you go in, there's an expectation that I will bless you and nothing else. A strong man does that to distract you from your focus on God. Because if he can do that every time you think you're going somewhere in faith, he can make you quit. Hmm? And then you have to stop and think, and, and well, what happened to, I was going, I thought I was working on this over here, and I haven't really touched that in a long time. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. You wrestled with the gorilla. The last time you went out, you thought you were in faith. You went out wrestling. I don't know if y'all Jehovah Witnesses today or what you are, but you got me? Because this is what happens. This is why many people, it takes so long, you think, to get something. 
or you thought you were believing God for this and you got that because your faith was really at that but you pumped yourself up into believing it was there huh well somebody needs to tell the truth huh because that's exactly what happens see this is why people don't go any further because they say well that's not what I have faith I know see that's religious mindset keeps trying to pump you up and pep you up and pat you on the back and give you a false sense of encouragement that's false because you were never in faith for that thing or you'd have it you would so the strong man will continue to try to convince you that you have to listen to him hmm? oh you know when you the last time you went out you know all this happened in rehearsing all the bad things Anything that rehearses all the bad things God did not send to you. God says encourage yourself in him. You don't have to consider your credit report. You don't have to consider that because they're going to do that for you. Why would you carry that in there? You see? So you don't have to consider any of that. Just consider what God's word says about it. Turn to Romans chapter 4. See, our old friend Abraham, he had a strong man that challenged him at every turn. Hmm? Several of them. Remember when God sent him, well, didn't send him to Egypt, he went. Hmm? Because the strong man chased him down there with fear. Fear of famine. When God told him he would bless him and he would be a blessing... That meant he didn't have to run down to Egypt to get blessed. That he took the blessing with him wherever he went. But his old man got scared and ran down to Egypt anyway. He got in trouble down there. How did he get in trouble? He got in trouble trying to survive on his own wits. Instead of believing that he was blessed and he was a blessing. When he came out of Egypt he came out very rich because God moved anyway. Huh? See, God's a God of his word. He's going to prove his word to you anyway. You need to take note when he does. See, This is the difference between Abraham and the way we operate sometimes. Abraham took note of things. Because you can see his progress and his growth throughout the years. When you see progress and growth, it's because you're taking note of things. Abraham then <clears throat> had a strong man of old age. God promised him a son. By the time that son was was born, Abraham had a strong man of old age and impotence. It says here in in uh, Romans chapter four. Let me find it. Start in three, and then we'll skip over a little bit. It says for in two, if Abraham were justified by works, he would have nothing to glory in. He would be able to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? It says, Abraham believed God. That's all you have to do. 
only can believe. Believe God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to him that works is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. So we know that the more we try to work on our own, the the bigger hole you dig for yourself. God has to come with his shovel of faith and pull you out anyway. Drop down to verse 13. He says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. That's what God promised him. He said, I'll give you so many children that you won't be able to number them. They'll be like the stars in the sky and the sands in the sea. So Abram was to inherit the whole world. It was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, one child, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise is not effective. Because the law works wrath, for there is no, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. Not wrestling, not you going in to fight the world to get you know, a dining room chair. You got me? Or whatever it else, you know, it, it's by grace. You know what gracious people do? They're polite, they're mannerable, they're humble, they're peaceful. Because the grace is there to allow God to work instead of you having to fight for everything. To the end that the promise might be sure. If it's by grace through faith, then it's a secure promise. If it works, you might fail. You may not measure up. That it might be sure to all the seed, not to only that which is of the law, but also that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I made you the father of many nations, before whom he believed even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope, against the strong man, believed in God. You got it? His old hope was that he was too old, too feeble, and would never have children. So that was a strong man's hope for him. So he hoped against that hope. That's what you have to do to use your faith. You have to hope against the hope. The doctors say you have cancer. And and cancer's terminal. It's all terminal eventually. I don't care what they if 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 they can treat it, it'll terminate your finances. So it's all terminal one way or the other. You got me? It's the last note you'll ever write. These people who are running and raising money, look at how many people there are raising money and they still can't fight it. So it's not money that's going to subdue this thing. So against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations According to that which is spoken, so shall my seed be. And being not weak in faith. This is how you defeat the strong man. You cannot be weak in faith. That's why you have a little talk with yourself before you go out. You don't go out scared. You don't go out frightened. You don't go out. You don't have to face the world like that. You can face it the way Jesus did. Doesn't he live in you? Don't you have his spirit in you? You can face it like he did. He was never afraid of anybody. If he, if he, you know, a couple of times they wanted to kill him, he disguised himself and walked right through where they were. He wasn't scared of anybody. 
He knew it wasn't time for him to lay down his life. He knew no man would take it. He would have to lay it down. That's a confidence you can have with your faith. That you're not a victim. You're not subject to what man says. People are not against you. People are not your enemy. You don't have to fight anybody to get anything you need. People are not your problem. It's not the person that that you didn't impress in the interview is why you didn't get the job. It's just that was not your job. You got it? Your job is yet to come. You got me? And so what we do, and sometimes we expect too much out of the the level of faith we have. Sometimes we've been sitting around doing nothing but worrying about something. We get up and go out one time and think that's going to take care of it. It's not going to happen like that. And you can be expectant, but be expectant that God is with you. And you're going to have to get your faith to the right level before he'll honor it. He's not going to give it to you because you're tired of waiting. He's not going to give it to you because you, you're sick of second best. He's not going to give it to you on that principle. But he will give it to you on the basis of your faith. So the Bible says he was not weak in faith. Why? Because he had stood with God at this point for many years now. Probably about more than 17, close to 20 years he'd been walking with God. That's why he wasn't weak in faith. Because he was walking with God every day. He wasn't thinking about God when it was time to go do something or thinking about God when it wasn't time. He was walking with God every day. So the strong man of his age, his impotence, he refused to wrestle with him. What did he do? The Bible says he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body. Now dead. That means impotent. At one time, he was potent, but he brought Ishmael into the world. Hmm? Ishmael is a product of wrestling with a gorilla. Huh? You're going to always get the wrong thing when you go in the flesh with the wrong attitude, assuming that everything's against you, that people won't give it to you because of something else. What you're really saying is God won't give it to you. And that's what Abraham thought. When he he slept with the maid and produced a baby, he thought that was the way he was going to get it through his own strength. The strong man keeps you relying on your own strength to accomplish things. How do you know that? Because you sit up and you think about what you lack, what you don't have, how they don't treat you. What's going to happen? I don't have enough this. I don't. You always are lacking in something in your mind when the strong man is active. So you have to consider him not. What do you mean? I can't think it. No, you can't. I can't even think. And no, you can't. Uh-uh. If you're going to have what God wants for you, you have to do exactly what Abraham did. You have to consider not. Bible says he considered not his body now dead. His body's talking to him every day. Huh? I know mine does. <laughs> Can you go a little slower on the getting up, please? Can you give me a little assist? The knees are talking, the <laughs> everything's talking. Huh? So your body can talk to you, 
and tell you its limitations. Your finances can talk to you and tell you their limitations. Everything can talk to you and tell you its limitations, but you can't consider it. The minute you consider it, you give voice to the strong man. You give him strength. And he starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger because of what you think. Not because he's real, but because of what you imagine. The Bible says he considered not his own body when he was about a hundred years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. How do you do all that? It's possible. With God, it's possible. In the Old Testament, it was possible. You refuse to think about anything but what he told you. I believe if Abraham was smart when God, the examples that God gave him, when he talked to him about that promise, or the examples that he referred to when he would encourage himself in the Lord. Now what did he tell Abraham that would help him to encourage himself in God? Look at the stars. Look at the sand. He had constant reminders. That's why the Bible tells us, do not let the word depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Get whoever you think is against you out of there. And get God in there. Get his word in there. Keep his word in there. Forget about what you're scared of. Forget about what, you know, what the doctors say. Forget about the test coming up. Forget about all of that and consider God. Well, everybody has to get ready for You don't know. I'm having a biopsy. I'm having, I don't care what you're having. I know one thing. If that's all you're thinking about before you go in there, you're not in faith. You can do it. If Abraham did it, you can do it. You can consider God. I can remember when I was a newer Christian. and I was in a women's ministry and and. You know, there were women whose husbands were saved, in quotes, and women whose husbands were not saved, in quotes. And they were always, the women who weren't saved, the husbands weren't saved, were always talking about, oh, you know, what he's doing today. You know, he's taking his pulse and taking his temperature and running vital signs on him every four or five minutes. Or Is he serving the devil? Of course he is. That's all he knows. And I remember one day God told me, he said, why are you talking about what he's not doing? And I said, well, God, you know, he's not saved. And, and i got to make sure we get prayer. And he said, you're not getting any prayer. So all you're doing is talking about him. And he says, he's not unsaved. You get nervous. See, truth makes you nervous. When you're determined to stay in the flesh. Now I thought I was being spiritual. Because I'm the one who's saved. See, I got to be spiritual. Because I'm saved. And he showed me the scripture that says. The unbelieving. God never calls them unsaved. You got me? Unbelieving. Spouse. Is sanctified. By the wife's salvation. 
So instead of pretending I knew what sanctified was, I looked it up. Let him show me. And that means set apart for the use of God. From that day forward, I quit talking to the unsaved about him. I quit talking to anybody but God about him. You got me? Then, eventually, he became a believer. Didn't get saved. He became a believer. He was sanctified already by my salvation. And he became a believer through his confession of Christ. See, unsaved is something that belongs to the world. That has no knowledge of God. You know, those are the unsaved. But in your household, they're sanctified. Your children are sanctified, even though they haven't confessed Christ. All you're doing is praying that they would confess him and become believers. You got me? So don't get this un-something in your mind. Makes it harder. Makes it a mountain. Part of the gorilla's language. See? Oh, you can't do that. He's, oh, you can't, you can't have a prayer meeting in your house. Oh, you have to know who you are. Abraham considered not his own body. Looking at it every day, he knows what, what's, every day it's getting older and older. And he knows it. But instead of considering his body, he considered the stars and the sand. This every time he went up. Thank you, Jesus, for my children. Thank you, Lord, for my children. Every time he looked down, thank you, Lord, for my children. He did it so much that he convinced himself to hope against hope. And the day came that Isaac was conceived. And then the day came that Isaac was born. Why? Because he didn't wrestle with the gorilla anymore. He quit wrestling with him. A strong man will try to convince you that you have to consider him. Now people say things like, well, uh, you have to go to the doctor. Oh, really? You got the great physician living in your temple. Hmm? Well, you know it's foolish if you don't go. For who? Huh? I'm not expecting them to do nothing for me anyway. My expectation is in God. I'm expecting I won't never need the doctor, the hospital, or anything. Now listen to this. My daddy, who passed away at 95, or 6 or 7 or 8, we ain't sure. He put his age back constantly. Even when he was in his 90s, he just was always. He never liked doctors. Never, and people in his generation didn't like him. You know, some of them tough old people you could, I, I can remember uh, being a nurse years ago and there was a woman in, in the hospital, she was 102 years old and she said, I've never been to a doctor in my life. And they were shocked. Because huh? when you work in that, that's what you know and that's what you believe in. But she believed in, in moderation. You know, people would come in, you know, they'd do it on the QT, but they'd ask her what How'd you get there and you ain't, not, you ain't never done nothing like that? Did you not drink? Did you not smoke? Did you not? Well, I've always lived a life of moderation. You know, I smoked a little bit and drank. I was a young woman. I did all those things. But I've always lived a life of moderation and I read my Bible. So they'll pick up the stuff that they want out of the sea. She told them the whole story. 
But they pick up, well, then I shouldn't have this, I shouldn't have this, and I shouldn't have. Well, you've got to read your Bible, too, if you want. No, oh, well, you know, we'll just do this over here. Mm-hmm. New Age, holistic medicine, meditation, yoga, vegetarian diet, everything but the Word of God. And so people in his generation, it's just our generation now that everybody's scared of everything because we don't live right. Everybody's promiscuous. Everybody's deep in sin. They do all kinds of things. So they're scared the other shoe's going to drop anyway. So they're, they're good fertile ground to, to just run away, run around from doctor to doctor looking for natural help out of a spiritual problem. But Abraham refused to wrestle the gorilla anymore. Because the last time he wrestled that gorilla, he said, I know what happened the last time. I got Ishmael the last time. The last time I got forced to try and do this on my own, I produced a headache. How many Ishmaels do we have? In the closet? In the garage? Huh? I won't say you're married to one. (laughs) That ain't right. But you know what I'm saying. People sometimes do things in haste and they're unhappy. Why? Because the strong man convinced him, if you don't get married by the time you're 30, oh boy, it's going to be over for you. So they get hasty. You're getting older every day. You've got to find you somebody real quick. So you get hasty and stupid. So he'll try to convince you that you have to consider him. Listen to him. Address him and focus on him. Give him all your time. Why? Because he wants you to think he's important. He wants the focus away from God. And eventually he will force you back into his plan for your life. With poverty, sickness, lack, and failure. People say things, well, if you don't go to the doctor, you don't know what to fight. I'm not fighting anything. I'm blessed. Huh? I'm blessed. God fights my battles for me. If I need to address something, he will show me in the spirit and I can speak the word to it. Huh? I speak the word. I bless my, my body. I bless my being. I bless my soul every day. Thank you, God, that I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I have favor and I'm blessed. And that's it. You start getting symptoms. Something starts aching. You double up on that. You just double up on the word. Well, you know, if you don't accept sickness, you're in denial. No, I'm not. I'm in faith. I know the difference. See, denial is what you go into when you're scared of something that you may have to face in the natural. If I'm scared of something, I grab the word to build up my strength against it. You got me? I'm not going to tell you I don't fear anything. Fear will jump on anybody. But I know where to take my fears. So I don't have to be in denial. I'm not scared to go to the doctor for fear of what they'll find out. I know if I complain, they're going to find something. You got me? So why would you go if you don't have a complaint? I give my complaints to the Lord. I've done it for 30 years. It's kept me well. It's kept me prosperous. It's done me good all this time. I have no intention of changing. 
Oh, but you know you're getting older. I will consider not my own body, just like Abraham did. I'm not going to consider the strong man at all. Huh? I'm not going to give it a second thought. My knees cry. Sometimes they creak. Sometimes they say, stop it. Get off me. I say, okay, we'll go sit down for a spell. Huh? And then we get back up and we do that all over again. They did that when I was a young woman. Everybody gets tired and it has to go sit it down. Huh? But <laughs> it's the truth. But instead of considering the strong man, what did he do? He believed God. And it was put into his righteousness account. That's what you want. You want always for things to be adding into your righteousness account. So that when you go in there to make a withdrawal for something you desire, you'll pull it out. There's enough in your righteousness account to, go, to withdraw what you need. So if you can ignore the gorilla, consider him not, and stay with righteousness the way Abraham did by considering God and his word and his power and your relationship with him. He's not your natural parent, not even close. You need to get to know him better because you wouldn't stop and think about what daddy did and what mommy did every time you get ready to go do something mm-hmm. but he's he's perfect in all of his ways you consider him and his faithfulness and you'll win because you'll sidestep the bait of the strong man and refuse to wrestle with him you've got to understand that God is for you he's not against you you don't have enemies everywhere you have to look under every bush and, and beat every every you know branch to see if there's something in there that you need to take care of take care of yourself have a little talk with yourself encourage yourself in the Lord consider not the things that you usually consider when you go to accomplish something just don't consider them you know people can't keep a job because well my boss doesn't like me that's the first thing you do when you go to a job that's why you don't keep one for very long you trying to get like out of the boss. He's trying to get work out of you. It's the truth. You trying to get something out of him. He's trying to get something out of you. Why don't you stay focused on what you're there for? See, this is the problem. We don't focus. It's not about you all the time. The last job you didn't, you didn't lose it because they didn't like you. You lost it because you didn't do your job. Because you were concerned about who liked you. You think the world's about you all the time. Not about you. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Quit wrestling with yourself. The gorilla's a figment of your imagination. But you have to bind and cast down the gorilla's ideas and words. Romans tells us to cast down imaginary things. Anything that's real, God will show you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if you use your faith, he'll deal with the problems before you even get there. You just be sailed, you sail right through. 
oftentimes what we see as a rejection is God telling us that that's not for us. And we want to get offended about it. Huh? You go in somewhere and they, you know, it's, oh, I don't know why they, just, you know, they saved the good stuff for everybody else. Yeah, oh, brother. Here we go again. Wrestling. Let the gorilla go. Hmm? But you can cast down the things that he conjures up in your imagination instead of taking them to heart. The Bible tells you to God guard your heart diligently with all diligence. That means don't consider anything stupid. Guard it from anything coming in it that's not the, the word of God and doesn't line up with the word of God. Sometimes we can just be too touchy about certain things. You know, certain people rub us the wrong way and, and we think we're over it and here they you know, bust it again. Well, you never guarded your heart. There's something in your heart that is against that. You got me? They just you know, or you lay off it for a while and then you're right back again. It's because you don't guard your heart diligently. Don't let those things enter in. Don't let them enter in. People that God wants to groom for certain jobs, you know, you can't get there if you're touchy. And if you're insecure about who you are. You've got to learn how to address those things and get secure. You know, I, I can remember when we first started the ministry, you know, I thought to myself, I said, God, did you pick the wrong person for this job? You know, everybody criticized me. So, you know, I decided, I said, you know what, God, if I'm wrong, you tell me. I'm not listening to them anymore. You got me? Then I learned that people come in wanting what they want, not what God has for them. And everybody's got flaws. Everybody's got faults. But we're not supposed to be fault finders. We're supposed to be people who love and cover a multitude of faults. You got me? And so, and I learned that if people will take that attitude, they go farther and faster than people who keep that touchiness about them. You get sidetracked, you know, wrestling with the gorilla again. Things you don't like about people, things you do like, blah, 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 blah. So we're to guard our heart with all diligence. If you guard your heart, you won't be as touchy and you won't be fair game for the gorilla to defeat you when you go to use your faith. Things that we desire, things that God is grooming us for, we will have to stay in faith to accomplish those things. You can't afford to get sidetracked. The gorilla always wants... He's standing on the side of the road where you're walking down with your faith, whispering, Psst, look at this. Look at, look at that over there. Look at, look at that. Did you see that? Look at that. Huh? Always trying to distract us with an idea that's not about where we're going. It's about where we've been with him. And get you to go backwards if he can. And stay there and never use your faith to go forward in anything. So if you wrestle with a gorilla and you lost the last time, take heart. That God still got it for you. Don't ever let him make you think that God's cast you out and cast you down and you don't qualify anymore in God. God's always there for you. He always wants you to get up and keep going. 
But you'll always lose with this tactic if you get distracted. Distractions are always pointed at your identity. It's a good way to know where he's at. Because it, he does it, what will what, happen is you will feel weak, inadequate, insecure, and unqualified. That's a strong man. He's always pulling you over into weakness and over into natural attributes and not in what God said and who you are. David was a champion when he was a teenager. Why? He knew his identity. He knew he, who he was in God. And he knew that the enemy was defeated. That's the only two things you need to know. You need to know God loves you. He cares about you. And he's going to do it for you. And you've got to know that the enemy will never win because you're a child of God. And if you walk in faith and use your faith, then you'll come out victorious every time. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to go even deeper in the things that you have prepared for us. So many good things, Father. But we cannot be deterred in our faith. That we must go forth in our faith so that we can come out with what you have planned for us at every turn. That we will not be confounded, we will not be ashamed, and we will not put things on hold forever, Lord. That there is a time when expectancy comes up, and it comes up strong, and we are not daunted by what we see. So we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to use our faith, and we bless you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen.